Hello and welcome to the Youth Sports Done Right podcast. My name is Dan Harrison and I am the Association Services Director for the Minnesota Youth Athletic Services. You know us better as MYS or Gopher State. As the Association Services Director, my job is to gather information about best practices and disseminate that information to you to help make your job easier. Now today we're going to be talking about tryouts. Tryouts really are a difficult subject and let's be honest, Neither the people being judged nor the people doing the judging probably enjoy all aspects of tryouts. But as long as we're trying to form teams and we have more players than we do positions on the team, somebody has to go through it and somebody has to make those decisions. Our guest today is Clarence Fields. Clarence has a background in sports that starts early in childhood. He was a multi-sport athlete starring in football, baseball, and basketball in high school and continuing on to play Division I basketball at McNeese State in Louisiana. Clarence founded CRF Sports Academy in 2000, working with young people to develop their basketball talents, and has been working in the youth sports arena ever since. He's been a consultant for youth tryouts, as well as working as a tryout evaluator, a coach, and as a board member for youth athletic associations. In 2019, Clarence was hired as the Trusted Coaches National Sales Director. Clarence has three sons, and he's immersed in the youth sports culture. Today, Clarence will be sharing his thoughts on tryouts. Hopefully, his perspective will help your experiences with your upcoming tryouts. Clarence, welcome to the Youth Sports Done Right podcast. You've got a lot of experience with tryouts and playing sports over the years, and today I think we're going to ask you some questions that hopefully will help people keep tryouts in perspective. Awesome. Great. So are the majority of tryouts, you know, one of the big questions people ask all the time is, are tryouts fair? Are they objective? How can they be that? What do you see out there? Are most tryouts objective? Yeah, I think, you know, nobody goes into a trial, you know, from an organization standpoint, you know, um, without some concept of trying to do the best they can to make things as fair as possible. Now, you know, once you get into the tryout and you have, you know, a bunch of kids and you don't have a lot of time, you know, to evaluate them, you know, correctly or to the best of your ability, I think, you know, that's where, you know, people on the outside may kind of see things as maybe a bit unfair. But I think for the most part, everybody does the absolute best they can with what they have to work with as far as uh, evaluating the talent that they that they have. Yeah, but it can be, a, it's a challenge too. In, in Absolutely, without question. Yeah, I think we were talking earlier that both sides of the Tryouts sometimes feel like it's hard, the people who are administering it and the people being judged, right? Nobody wants to do it, I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, you know, how easy is it, you've been an evaluator, you've been a player, but as an evaluator, how easy is it to pick out uh, the different levels of players? You know, maybe talk that a little bit, the, the best, the worst, the middles, bubbles. Yeah, yeah good question. I think, um, you know, your top you know, three, four, five kids, right, that seem to never really move, you know, from, you know, one team to the next on a, you know, from a year-in, year-out basis, I think are fairly easy to to evaluate. You know, it's your your sixth, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, especially from a basketball standpoint, you know, when typically you're carrying, you know, nine or ten players, you know, and then the 11th, 12th, right, those bubble players, you know, those are the ones that are kind of, really tough, you know, to evaluate. And that's where I think, you know, having more um, objective material, you know, to kind of help sift through that process, you know, would be a a huge help. So you touch on a point there that I think is important to maybe hit is 
How important is it to be, you know, if you got nine guys on your basketball team, is it better to be number nine on the A team or 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 number one on the B team? Man, I think um, in my experience and just, you know, the kind of the aftermath of tryouts and talking to parents and coaches, you know, that's, that's the big question. You know, I think um, the top team, the A team, I think it's a status thing. Sure. You know, especially when you get to that eighth, ninth, tenth player, right? Um but it's not always the best fit for that player because everybody wants to be on the floor or on the field or on, you know, um, you know, whatever playing surface that you're on more, right, than sitting on the bench, right? So um, I think, you know, your ninth, 10th, you know, 11th, 12th player, you know, in my opinion, um, if I had, when I do have sons, you know, one of them is a hockey player and, you know, I've got two little guys, but I would want them to experience kind of both worlds, you know, a little bit of not being the best player, you know, and having to work a little bit harder, you know, and kind of being a little bit more realistic um, in terms of who they are and what their ability is. But on the flip side of that, I also want them to have an opportunity to know what it means to be a leader, you know, maybe being one of the best players on the team. And I think a little bit of both of that um, is very beneficial, you know, uh, in in, in a kid's growth. Is it about the physical abilities? Is it the uh, skills? Is it the traits that, that are uh, the intangible traits? Great question. Um, if you look at football, I, I love comparing um, the football tryout process, the football evaluation process, the development process that goes into football. You know, as a freshman, if I'm a freshman, a high school freshman, and I decide, you know, mom, dad, you know, I want to play college football. Well, there are some things that you're going to do, you know, right off the top. Like, you know, I want to, you know, get physically stronger. You know, I want to, you know, be in better shape, right, the whole nine. Well, to measure whether or not you can play at the next level comes with the data of a 40-yard dash, a vertical jump, a broad jump, you know, three-cone shuttle, and whatever the other tests are that they test in football, Right. And so as I strive to be a college athlete, I go to showcases, you know, to showcase my talent, but they want to see how fast I run first. They want to see how high I jump. You know, they want to see all of those measurables before they decide whether or not I'm capable of playing at the next level. And those numbers are categorized by position, right? So a quarterback should be able to do this, a running back should be able to do that, wide receiver, defensive back, offensive lineman, Right. And so I think there should be, um, you know, some type of measurable, just like they do at the NBA Combine. And there's a reason why they do that, right? Because they need to know who the best athletes are because from there they can say, okay, well, I can help this kid shoot better or I can help this kid dribble better because they can run fast, they can jump high, they can they do have all the tools. Amazing, they have the tools, right? You know, so it's about development, you know, at the end of the day. And physically, physical components make up, I think, 60 to 75% of an athlete's ability to, to make it or not. You know, when you're watching television on TV, and I use this, you know, this story all the time, and you're watching professional sports, let's say LeBron James, for instance, the commentator will rarely say, Oh my, LeBron can shoot well, he can dribble well, he can pass well. You hear LeBron James is a great athlete, 
more than you hear anything about his skill sets. You know, so that just kind of tells me right there there definitely needs to be a focus on, you know, especially in, in, at the youth level of, 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 of athleticism building for sure. So, so not so much focus on seeing uh, how you do in tryouts, the tryouts to the test. Maybe it's all the work you need to do to get your skills to the level where you say, hey, they can't, they can't turn me down because my skill level is this good. Absolutely. So a, a couple of questions that I always ask uh, people, you hear it, uh, do you believe coaches have favorites? Absolutely. And I don't think it's, you know, coaches are not trying to, they don't pick favorites because, you know, they want to make other kids feel bad. I mean, it's no different than a fan, you know, Certainly. watching television. You know, um, what makes a player great is what you can see with the naked eye. You know, and that's why LeBron James or Tom Brady or whoever your favorite, you know, uh, Mike Trout or whoever your favorite professional athlete is your favorite. It's because what you see. Something hits with is, you. Oh, man, like. So yeah. when a coach has a favorite, they're either seeing, number one, they're probably seeing effort, yeah, right? And then number two, you know, they're probably seeing something related to, you know, a skill set that, that makes, you know, that kid their, their favorite. Now, right. are there situations where, you know, coaches have favorites for other reasons? You know, absolutely. But I think, you know, that number and the reason why, you know, is very small compared to the coach just thinks that kid is a good athlete and they work hard and they're a good kid as opposed to, you know, influence from some other place. And those things you just hit there, I think coaches really don't get enough uh, credit for having favorites for kids who get good grades, who pay attention, who work hard, who stay after, who do all those intangibles. They, they kind of add up to where coaches go. I know my favorites have uh, often been guys who I'm like, that's a great kid, not just a great ball player. There's almost never an underlying reason, right, as to why a kid is a coach's favorite. You know, it always, you know, for the most part, you know, is going to do with character, right, and performance. Yeah. So I guess I'd throw it back to <clears throat> with uh, how about parents? Are parents objective? Do you think parents have favorites? Yeah, he, he, <laughs> parents, unfortunately, and I'm a parent too, you know, I'm a, I'm emotionally objective, right? You know, um, and I and I have a different perspective than most parents. But I mean, yeah, I think you know parents are you know very objective, you know. But I think they're objective because they're only seeing what everybody else has kind of made, you know, out to be what kids are being judged on in terms of like you know your skill set can you dribble you know can you shoot can you pass you know can you hit can you throw right and so that's really the only you know measuring stick as to whether their kid is capable or not you know right. but when you strip all of those things off and you dig a little bit deeper there's some other things you know that um, can help bring things to the surface and, and make them a lot more clear yeah well, and parents, I think, too, I, I've heard it said that coaches have to pick out uh, the flaws and figure out if they work, whereas parents look at the, hey, Johnny made one of 14. He's a he's a good shooter. The other ones were close. Intangibles. Yeah, the intangibles. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the parents, you know, they should be their kid's biggest fan, and that's For that's sure. truly the, that, that is no, no, uh, no shortcoming there. Um, so what do you think the answer is then for, for us as we look at this from, a, from above and say, we have problems. Nobody likes to give tryouts. Nobody likes to be in tryouts. Um, 
and it seems to be that a lot of times we're focusing on things that maybe are uh, uncontrollable versus what what we can do. So what do you, what would you say the answer is to improving the whole trial process? I think the process leading up to the trial, the pre-process. Yeah, the the, the you know the the pre-trial process, and I think um, the the pre-trial process. You know, I, would, I think most tryouts are probably two days, I think, on average. You know, so what's going on the other 363, Yeah, you know, is the question, you know, on a calendar year. So not you know, just the pre-trial process for the association, but necessarily the player himself or herself saying, hey, what am I doing to, to, to maximize my skill set so that when I show up, they just can't say no? Yes, and, and I think there's a lot of, that's, that's a cloudy subject. Right, because I think during the calendar year, there's so much focus on team that the individual never gets tended to. And so, what I mean by that, I, I really, I really love individual sports. You know, so like golf, um, you know, tennis, you know, whether it's cross country or track, you know, because I think each kid needs to understand exactly what it means and what it takes to put forth their best effort when it only involves them as it relates to the results right so on a team I don't have to be very good in terms of putting forth my best effort all the time because I can always pass the ball or I can always rely on my teammate right so wrestling, for instance, and that's an individual sport, and you definitely got to have a little something extra inside of you um, or um, have something that's developed inside of you from going through an individual sport like wrestling for you to understand exactly what it takes for you as an individual to push as hard as you can to accomplish what you want. So so if I hear you, you're, you're saying in essence that that we spend we don't spend enough time on working on performing our skills and saying we're in, in a trial we have in effect are evaluating your skills and the rest of the time we're we're doing things that that we can hide from our skills maybe it's maybe is it is it the game to practice ratio yeah i think um you know that that is you know that's a big issue you know in, in my opinion um and I can just kind of give you a quick breakdown over my, from kindergarten to 12th grade, which is a 13-year span. I mean, from a basketball standpoint, I mean, I played literally in 200 organized basketball games. You know, and I, I ran the numbers, and, and that came out to about 50 hours total of playing time. You know, kind of like 15 minutes average a game, right? Sure. You know, but over the course of that 13-year span, there were 3,500 hours of, of real basketball practice, right? And then there was another 3,500 hours of, you know, playing in the neighborhood, playing at the park, you know, just kind of creating those games, you know, um, with your friends, right? And so by the time I got to a tryout, you know, it was an afterthought, you know, as it relates to whether I was going to do well or not because I had so much practice, you know, just doing the ball handling or whatever it was that we were doing, right? Yeah, you knew your skill set because you'd, you'd done the work. So in a calendar year, you know, I am getting for sure three times 
as much practice versus playing the game. You know, so from a preparation standpoint, like, there was no thought about whether or not I was going to do well in a tryout because, like, I had been there and done that, like, so much, right? But I just think, you know, during a calendar year, you know, kids are playing on two or three different teams to where you're not getting very many touches, right, if you're playing on a team unless you're, you know, one, two, three, or four player, right, or maybe five. Um, So I just think it's important, you know, for kids to to bring – you know, an individual aspect to the tryout, you know, because that's what the tryout is. It's about the individual, you know. So if you go throughout the course of a year, you know, you haven't practiced on you, then when the lights come on and it's time for you to perform as an individual, then you're it's going to be highly likely that you're not going to perform very well. Might not do your best. That's kind of kind of the old, hey, he didn't he doesn't try out well might be the answer is to exactly. say, hey, are you doing the work? I know we talked a little bit, too, about the fact of having, uh, you know, we, we're working with, with some stuff with trusted coaches on uh, tryouts, and one of the things that I really like is the idea of having some objective measures that say, what, what are some things that actually matter? Here's some hard data facts that I can measure. Speed, uh, strength, jump height, um, and you you'd talked a little bit about working with an organization on doing some testing, that help people sort of evaluate where they are and say, you know, if you're weak, you're probably going to try out poorly. Um, if you can't jump, you're probably going to try out poorly. Um, if your speed's low, I know I, I coach baseball, and if I measure a person's 60 time and it's 60 yard time and they're slow, it's invariable to me that they they're going to have a hard time being competitive. Mm-hmm. So I think your uh, your thoughts on the objective stuff. Yeah, I think, you know, again, you just look at, you know, and of course everybody's, there's, I don't know, 1% that are going to be professional athletes, right? I mean, yeah. Totally. So, but you look at, you know, how does the NFL, how does the WNBA, how does the NBA vet their talent? And they do it through combine testing, right? And so I don't think it should be any different, you know, at the youth level especially since, like, especially in Minnesota per capita, there are more kids participating in youth sports than anywhere else in the country. You know, so when you have a a large number of kids that are participating, which is amazing, right? We don't want want that to to go away, right? You have to have a system that can give everybody a clean slate, a fair playing field, you know, to try out on. And I think, you know, that is... Pre-tryout, you know, if if you're at your pre-tryout registration, I think part of that should be, let's let's get some measurables. Let's you know see what your three-quarter court sprint is. Let's see what your lane agility drill your um, um, score is. Let's see what you know maybe your push-up test is, and so that way, you know, as an evaluator, you've kind of got the kids categorized. I know people don't like to use the word rank, but I mean it is what it is, right? right? And so from there, I can see who my best athletes are. Yeah. Right. And also, on the flip side of that, it's going to give that kid and that parent some some logical data, some information sure. for them to say, you know what? Well, compared to you know this player, you know I am either so far ahead mm-hmm. or so far behind, and they're also giving me some things that I can do to improve. 
you yeah. know, my scores. Some homework, basically, some ho- to say, homework. hey, where do we push? Where do we push? Because we always talk about being controlled the controllables. Yeah, so that that that's excellence, and that's kind of what you mean by that pre-trial stuff and being ready to say, I've, I've done the work. I know where I'm at. Uh, the tryout's just just the icing on the cake. Well, and I've and I've been to I've been to a few tryouts where the registration process is happening <laughs> right on site. <laughs> <laughs> They're behind the eight ball because they haven't prepared for their tryout. Right, you know what I'm saying? And and it's and it's no it's nobody's fault. You know it, it you know everybody's doing their best again. You know to to get the kids evaluated. You know fairly, right? But if there was a setup where, you know, two or three weeks or a, or a month, I don't know, prior to tryouts happening where kids could go through some of these tests and then submit that, you know, at their registration. Now I've got, you know, one through a hundred in order and I kind of know, you know, yeah. what I'm dealing with. And then you can kind of pick and choose in terms of who you need to mix, you know, where to kind of see what they, you know, kind of see how they, you know, um, um, fair against you know some of the other kids yeah well I know we just talked about some of the upcoming things we're working on with uh, association services about about trying to help put together with trusted coaches some tryout norms and and some processes to make it easier on the the evaluators too because it is a challenge to sit there and always know what should we be doing what should we be working on um, at the end of the day uh, let's just say that we're I'm a dad and we've gone through tryouts already uh, and maybe you can talk about if we have them coming up. But if if, if I've been through tryouts and we're disappointed, you know, I, I was just hoping Johnny would be on the A team or maybe he was on the A team last year and now he's on the B team or, or vice versa. He's going some different direction. So maybe he got cut. Maybe he got cut. What, what as a parent, what, what's our plan? What do we do? How do I, how do I, how do I move forward? Well, I think the first thing you have to know is, is your kid, a bubble kid or not right and I think for the most part based on you know previous tryouts right um, parents kind of have an idea you know of where they are right or what they're kind of you know starting with um, I think from there if your kid is a bubble kid right I think you have an option available if you don't fall where you intended to fall or anticipated falling right Um, And then I think also you can't let your kid see your emotions as a parent based on where the kid fell. Now, husband and wife, you know, mom, dad, you know, we can have an emotional conversation behind closed doors. Yeah. You know, but when we're presenting, you know, or stating our case to our kid, like we have to be on the same page. We have to have our poker face on and we have to let our kid know that, hey, you know what? Although then you make you didn't make the team, you know that you expected to make, you know, and you put the work in, you know that um, that you thought was gonna get that we thought you know was gonna give you the edge, and that didn't happen. Well, here's Plan B. Okay, we're gonna scale back, and we're gonna look at exactly what we did the other 363 days of the year prior to those two days of trials, right? And we need to figure out what the balance was. You know, did I did I play more than I worked, or did I work more than I played? You know, and I think that's where parents, you know, have to start um, is just making sure that you have you know a plan going into tryouts. And if it doesn't work out, then you can always go back to that plan that you had and kind of evaluate 
maybe take some things out, add some things, and then kind of move on from that point. Yeah, sort of using it as a growth experience for your kid because, like you said, they're probably – aren't going to be making any money at it in the future, but the, the lessons they're learning are those that say, hey, set a plan, give it your best effort. If it falls short, make an adjustment and see how we can go forward with that. Exactly. Awesome. Well, Clarence, it's been awesome talking with you. I know we're going to do uh, several more of these podcasts, and we're going to be talking a little bit about the process as we suggest or, or have seen work well out there in the tryouts uh, coming up in future episodes. So I greatly appreciate it, and... Uh, Be well, and I will talk to you soon. Appreciate you. Thanks, Dan. Hey, thanks for tuning in. And please remember, we're looking for information we can share to help make youth sports administration easier. If there's a topic you'd like to explore with us, please reach out and send an email to associationservices at myas.org. I'd like to thank trusted coaches and trusted officials for sponsoring this podcast. If you'd like a simple and safe solution to your coach or official's training, safe sports compliance, and administering and tracking your background checks, check out Trusted Coaches at www.trustedcoaches.org. The Minnesota Youth Athletic Services is a nonprofit 501c3 entity in the business of helping improve the delivery of youth sports services to young athletes, coaches, and parents. This is Dan Harrison saying TTFN, and thanks for all the hours you put in to get youth sports done right. Mm-hmm.